Oh, it's finished baseball. It's coast to coast. It's border to border. Talking to ballists and stuff. It's the Royal Lawrence Borough Vintage Baseball Podcast. And we've been off for a little bit. You know why? Do you know why? Is because we, you know what we like to do more than say talking about baseball? We, watching baseball, playing baseball. So uh, I've been watching and talking about baseball. Rudy's been playing baseball. And uh, here we are. Back to talking back. about baseball in our in our basements. Uh, <laughs> I'm fresh off vacation. Rudy's fresh off being sick again. Let me tell you, Rudy's always sick because his family only eats lettuce. <laughs> no, that's it. No, yeah. don't try to sensationalize what's going on here. It's lettuce. Yeah. Uh, introducing my co-host, the captain of the Columbus Capitals, all the way from ha, around on the ends, high in the middle, Ohio, it's Rudy Frias. Rudy, how you doing? Great. Lettuce! Doing good. Throw something in that salad! <laughs> uh, well, it's good to see you. Uh, we saw each other for uh, a moment at the world's yeah. tournament, as I showed up, moment. I showed up to see some rising sun of Maryland versus the Bay City Independents uh, just before I hopped on a plane and headed to Boston. So, uh, so that was fun. Uh, I got to tell you, my head was elsewhere. Yep. My my head. I don't remember anything from the damn match. I don't. I just don't. I wasn't. How I was. Dare you. I was visually paying attention, but mentally, I was yeah. at Fenway Park, baby, because I had never been at Fenway Park, and uh, so we got into Boston late Saturday night, uh, and we were able to walk to Fenway from our bed and breakfast. And uh, Rudy, I kid you not, when I walked into Fenway, I cried. Oh. And then when I walked out onto, we we didn't go to our seats right away. I just wanted to walk out behind home plate and see it that way for the first time. I cried mm-hmm. again. Then I got <laughs> to my seats and I cried again. And I think I cried six times. And, That's good. And, and Amy was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is a fa-. She wasn't saying anything like that. But she was like, you know, rubbing my back because I was having an emotional <laughs> moment. Uh, about being at Fenway Park. Yes, it was beautiful. It was the, nice. I think I made a post that said, uh, it's the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. And it, and it was. And uh, and we've already made plans to go back the weekend after Memorial Day as the Detroit Tigers will be in town to take care of the Ooh. Red Sox in a four-game uh, series that I'll be there for okay. three of the games. But anyway, spent the week in Boston, did all the historical stuff, walked the Freedom Trail, uh, did just about everything on there. We did about 75% of what you can do as a tourist. Initial, The initial tourist touristy stuff in Boston. But we wanted to leave some stuff because at that point we already knew we were coming back. So we've got totally. the, the duck boat tours to take and we got the – Boston Tea Party stuff to take care of yet. And uh, we went on the USS Constitution, but we did not go on the ship next to it. You see, we were just leaving. We were just leaving stuff. Breadcrumbs for our future. And uh, 
And then we went to Salem, Massachusetts for a day, Rudy. And that's when we're going to bring in our guest. Our guest, Captain of the Providence, Grays from Rhode Island. His name is Brian Travers. If you go back into the archives, you will see part one of this interview, or you will hear part one of this interview that happened a couple years ago, And uh, I think. And uh, here we are, part two, as promised, fresh off the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival, and presiding in Salem, Massachusetts. It is Brian Travers. Brian, how you doing? I am doing great. Happy to see you guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. This was fun last time, and I can't believe it took you this long to get me back, but I guess I wasn't good enough, so I'll have to, have to step up my game here. I know that's what you tell people, but you know that's, you know that's not right. You have to spread the good stuff out, Brian. Look, it, there's not many people in vintage baseball with your passion and knowledge. And let's face it, that has to be spread out. I can't just shoot it all at once. You know, come on. That's what happened. You know, the older you get, the longer you do it, you just pick stuff up. Well, good point. you're very modest. Uh, but you know what? We're not going to talk about baseball to start off this episode. One, I don't like to follow the same old, same old formula every single episode. That's boring. I want to pick up right where we were. I was just talking about Brian on Thursday of my week long trip out to the East coast. I went and experienced something that my wife loved by the way. And so basically we went there for her and, uh, we went to Salem, Massachusetts we took the T to the whatever, the commuter train, and we, we showed up in Salem. I, have never, I did not do any investigative journalism as to what I was about to step into in that town. I wanted it all to be a surprise. And I got to tell you, it wasn't as over the top as I thought it was going to be, but I was also not there in September and October. You are uh, a resident of Salem, Massachusetts. And we were talking at the Rocky point festival that we're going to talk a lot about here in a little bit, but you said something that they told me on the tour. And I just want to start our conversation there in the 1970s. The show bewitched had a fire at their studio. So they had to go elsewhere to film a couple of episodes. They went to Salem, Massachusetts for this. And then And I believe this is where my facts are a little sketchy, but I believe it was in the very early 1980s that TV land donated a statue. Am I right on the date, Brian? Um, No, it was uh, when it was dedicated. It was actually in the early 2000s. So when they actually dedicated the statue, I don't know. I moved up here in 04 and that ceremony took place within a year of that. And every old timer, basically came out and said, how can you do this? This is blasphemy. My former secretary was actually a direct descendant of Rebecca Nurse, and she was not thrilled at all. Felt like it was spitting on her great, many great ancestors' grave. Yeah, the uh, the locals didn't like it. So the thing is, is the Salem area is not too fond of their past, the Salem witch trials. So they don't exactly go around advertising what happened in that town 1692, I believe ish. Am I right on that? Oh, I got a date, right? And, uh, (laughs) and so Salem was not a touristy town. There was nothing going on in Salem until that statue. 
2004 ish. Right. I mean, it was, there was a lot of touristy things happening around Halloween time, but more and more people seem like they're here during the summer over the last 15 to 20 years. But you also got to remember Marblehead is the next town over and it's a big boating community. Danvers is a town over. There's a big boating community. We got a lot of beaches around here, so we don't hurt for people coming in, which is why I'm glad I live on the other side of town from downtown so I can completely avoid it and get out of here without having to travel through that unless it's on one of those days where one of my hockey playing kids has a rink to get to that forces us to cut through. So the statue, and you can go Google it, it's a statue of Elizabeth Montgomery uh, on a half moon or a quarter moon or whatever it be. And it's right there in the middle of town square. You can't miss it. And uh, so that I would say that people started wondering what is a statue? And then it all got sent back to the Salem witch trials. And then there's still the house, the witch house that is the uh, only building still standing from back, back when all that happened. Uh, yeah. Well, see, here's the thing. None of the trials or anything actually happened in what is now Salem because this was all Salem proper. So the trials and everything happened in Danvers. The witch house there, that's actually where the magistrate stayed Mm -hmm. because he was staying away from where everything was going down. So it's Salem, but it's, you know, 1690 Salem. And it was all land grab. That's all everything was about. So the actual history of this, Oh, we want your land. Well, if you get accused of being a witch, you're going to be put in jail. Guess what? I'm going to take your the, land. The law owns your land, and then they can give it to who they want. So that's how this all started. If you actually look at the people who were accused, it was all the wealthy landowners or the vagrant-type people that they didn't care about. And it wasn't until they started accusing the wrong people the people who were benefiting, that's when suddenly, oh, you know what? Uh, there's, there's no witches. It's all cool. Uh, yeah, but it was, uh, it was a very interesting time. So if you ever go to Boston on vacation, don't be afraid to head out to Salem for a day, but you only need a day if you're interested in the witch stuff. If you want to participate in the other things that Brian told you that is, uh, is a more adult-themed vacation uh, stops, uh, you, you can spend more than a day there, but if you're just going there for the witch stuff a day, you'll get it done. No big deal. Uh, only do one tour. Uh, we made the mistake of doing a couple of different tours and we went to the same places because <laughs> there's not really a lot of things. There's not a lot to go see. So no, it's not the largest area. And if you want to be smart about it, you go get like one of the professional speakers who will do one of the ghost tours but it's not really a ghost tour it's more like here's where this famous murder happened here and here's where this ship showed up with no crew you know those types of stories because let's face it you can read all the stuff in the history books and a lot of it's wrong but you know you can go and read that stuff but you want to see the real history stuff and you don't want a third grade teacher giving you the tour okay no offense so no i had the we went on a ghostly night haunted tour and had the nicest guide and she was like a third grade teacher. You know, she would be like, does anybody have a question? Okay, you. And then we'd ask the question. That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Oh, and uh, what? When does the scary haunted stuff start? Like, 
And uh, I'm like, she would have been a great daytime guide. And then our our the daytime guide we had was all gothed out with her, her. We called her Tits McGee. I mean, stuff was hanging out. And I'm like, she would have been perfect for nighttime. And <laughs> why couldn't we get them to switch? But And then they all told different stories, so I don't even know what, what's accurate. Uh, so, Brian, you you don't partake around Halloween in any of that stuff? You don't go down there at all? Um, we have kids that are in the school system. So the first Thursday of October is the opening parade. So over the years, we've had to do that many times. Um, my wife is already plotting the Halloween costume for our dog that we got in December so that he can be in the dog parade. I will be busy that night, but she will be there at the, at the dog parade. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for humoring me and take me back to my, uh, trip to Salem, Massachusetts. It was a, a fantastic area actually. So, uh, everybody should go to that. And now Brian, let's talk about something that you're a little bit more interested in, by the way, <laughs> just before we leave that area, I grew up in a city called Bay city, Michigan, which had the largest fireworks display in Michigan every 4th of July. So I, we had such uh, a, large amount of people come into a small town and it just screwed everything up. I would always leave town for the 4th of July. Uh, I, I grew up in Newport, Rhode Island. So yeah, the summers were always, you know, you want to go to the other side of downtown. It'll take you about an hour and 15 minutes to drive three miles. So yes, lived it. Let me ask you this. Is it worth going to Martha's Vineyard for a Jaws tour? To me, no. But if you ask Johnny Carlevalli's wife, she will tell you absolutely, and you need to go about 15 times. She loves sharks. Oh, gosh. So, Brian, we are fresh off of uh, after after I did my day of Salem, uh, came back and went to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and spent the night there and made my way to the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival. Brian, tell everybody a synopsis of the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival. So this was our fourth year doing this. We're trying to get a little bigger every year. We had uh, 12 teams, uh, I think from like nine states, come in this year. And we set up three fields. We're right on Narragansett Bay. And we're not married to any style. We want everybody to come play at least one game in their signature style, try to experience games and other styles against other teams that they wouldn't necessarily get to see. You know, like try to do the best of what we see in other places with the freedom to play the thing. So, for example, we played, uh, because of a little bit of a late additions, we played six games in six different, uh, five different styles this year just to try to accommodate the other teams. We had two different overhand styles. We had fly underhand. We had bound rule underhand. There was also – so the styles that we had represented this year, we had 58, 64, 65, 70, 84, and 86. Uh, yes, and – I should have done a little bit more prep work for my play-by-play on all those years, but I was busy testing every lobster roll within my distance of wherever I was for the week. Sure. No regrets, except one. (laughs) There was one really bad lobster roll at Quincy Market at this bar that has an outside eating area. They should not be allowed to sell lobster rolls, by the way. Anyway, back to Rocky Point. So, yes, there are three fields. 
Uh, Rudy, I tell you this as I tell you that so you can ask a question here. Uh, where I was seated, I was at Old Haas Field, which was I'm, I'm, I called Field 1. Uh, you, you're just looking out to the baseball field, and then you look a little longer, and there's a second field and a third field off to your right just a little bit, and then the ocean the sun glimmering off the waves with a sailboat going by. And you're like, what is this? How could anybody say Iowa was heaven when that is what I saw? Not corn. Oh my God. It was amazing. Uh, And then uh, two days of all these years of baseball. Go Rudy. It sounds like you had a very transformative uh, weekend and experience as far as baseball goes. I, uh, I wanted to like I'm scrolling literally through the pictures of everyone that has posted from the the weekend. <clears throat> How did you get this location? When uh, when I was a kid, it was a it was a amusement park. It was Rocky Point Park, and this is the place where the boaters would come up to the shore dining hall. They get the crab cakes and everything. But then you go in, you got your you know your standard your flume and your old wooden roller coaster and everything else. And in uh, 1995, they ripped it down, and the whole area was just kind of disheveled. Um, after they sold everything off in uh, 2014, they opened it up to the state park. Now, us being the baseball nerds that we are, did a little bit of homework and realized that baseball was played there from uh, 1891 to 1917. Now, it wasn't Grace. My Grace disbanded in 1885, a year after winning the first world championship, because that's what teams did back in the 1880s. But there were dozens of games that were played there over the years, including an exhibition game in 1914 that Babe Ruth played in. So we're like, you know what? This is a great spot. It's a nostalgic kick in the pants for us kids who grew up in Rhode Island. Let's see if we can get a permit to go play. So we had, I think our first date was with the Mutuals, and we just had a doubleheader. We just played some ball. Fans came out, and they thought it was cool. So we now try to play all of our home games there, and – when we decided in 2019, hey, let's see if we can get a few teams to show up, it went well. The next year, we got a food truck. This year, we added a live entertainment after at a revival brewery. Uh, a couple bands played. Was, uh, people on our team got their bands to come out, and you know, it's just, just grown. But it all started with, wow, I came here as a kid, and that was cool. Gee, can we go back? Because this is a great spot. Nice. Did you do you have to get a permit for every date, or are you do you can you get a yearly permit? We have to get a permit for every date. The uh, I, I won't say anything about the parks department. Okay, it doesn't seem like very many vintage baseball clubs have a close, personal, soft, gentle, loving relationship with the parks department. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what goes on with that. And uh, now no. joining us in the room is our newest host, the man, the myth, the legend, the captain of the Greenfield Village Ladidas, Cougar Jeffrey Kozlowski. Hi, Cougar. Hey, everyone. Hi. <laughs> Uh, perfect timing, Jeff, because I am just about to ask our guest, Brian Travers, and you're going to want to hear the story. So you're going to ask your first question as a host of the show, right? After you hear the story, uh, okay. the Providence Grays played at Rocky point where the festival was this last weekend. Uh, 
uh, Warwick, Rhode Island, and they have a plaque down there where there used to be a baseball field that Babe Ruth played at. Brian, could you tell everybody what that plaque says and what it was, uh, what it's like down there? So right now, that field is completely overrun. So where we play is not where there was a stadium, but there was a stadium there that held upwards of a, I guess you fit up to 10,000 people if you include the outfield standing area out by right field. And so because of the blue laws back in the day, Major League Baseball wasn't allowed to be played on Sundays. So, for example, you get a team coming in to play the Boston team over the weekend. They'd have a Saturday game. They'd have a, a Monday game. And they'd have nothing to do. So they'd go play the minor league Providence team over at Rocky Point. So there was a, a famous game where the 1907 world champion Cubs came in and played. They were in Boston doing that. The Grace took a train from Rochester back to play that one game and then trained back after. You could tell the Cubs didn't really care because the Grays won. And then there's uh, the stories that the Cubs just went down to the beach and jumped in the ocean. So that was really where their priority was. But that's cool. That's cool. But um, September 1914, not my Providence Grays, but the minor league Providence Grays, which were the uh, minor league affiliate for the Red Sox at the time. Uh, this kid you might have heard of, lefty pitcher named Babe Ruth, pitched against the Cubs threw a seven-hitter, had five strikeouts, and hit a ball into the water. Now, back then, because of the ground rules, you lose sight of the ball, they can't call it a home run. So it was a ground rule triple, even though it went into Narragansett Bay. But, you know, that field exists somewhere completely overgrown, but they lost the ability to hold games there in 1918. And then the family that owned the, uh, the resort at the time sold it in 1920, and then that's when it started developing into the amusement park. They were, we brought baseball back. So we're the first people to play there that I know of since 1917. Wow. Uh, yeah, I walked down there. You can definitely tell that there was a stadium there. You, uh, you know, even though it's overgrown, it's, it's just weird. So, Brian, if you walk back through the tall grass... Do you come across any structural structures back there at all or anything? I've never walked through the tall grass. I get there, I set up the field, I talk to the other team, we play ball. <laughs> I haven't walked through that whole area since it, since the 90s when I was there as a park. So I've never actually ventured over. But it definitely looks like... This year. I might have to get there early now because you're calling me out on it, but that's cool. Well, it definitely looks like... If you if you go and you Google a picture of what the stadium looked like, it definitely looks like there's trees and stuff that have grown where the the bleachers between third and home or third and first base were. You can almost see a very greenery, shrubbery backstop area, and then there's tall grass where the field was. I wasn't and brave enough to go back there. I don't like snakes. It makes me sad stuff like that gets overgrown too because I mean I would love to be able to recreate you know it's like where the my grades actually played was on Messer Street in Providence and now it's apartment building and it'd be fantastic if we could have that old ballpark space back you know maybe someday if I hit Powerball get it worked out but you know it would be it would just be cool to bring that back it's Rhode Island history you don't need Powerball you just need to have a lot of people that want the same goal and uh and go in there and start working work it and a little bit of red tape cutting well that 
but geez, that's history, Brian. That's, I know. that's, uh, they could really, they could really do something with that. Uh, and you know, what would happen though is, uh, you clean out that area, you make a nice field and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden there's little league games going on there and there's this, that, and the everything, and they're making a bunch of money off of it. You're getting nothing off of it. And now you can't play there cause they're always booked. Sounds a lot like league park in Cleveland. So like league park in, uh, uh, the, we used to be the home field for the Cleveland blues. We went and played them. I want to say 2011, 2012. And it was like, you could see the outside structure and, it was basically just like a rundown lot in the middle of kind of a, a neighborhood going through a transition. And it was really great. We played there. There was no fanfare, nothing. You pull into like a gravel parking lot and there's like some of the stands are still up. You can kind of get into a dugout. It's kind of like playing in like an abandoned parking lot. But then like that went on for a couple of years. And next thing you know, the city found out. They, re, they put like millions of dollars into it, <clears throat> made it this amazing AstroTurf Little League baseball field. And now it's like, it, if you can get a game at League Park, consider yourself lucky. But back in the day, you could go there whenever you wanted and play. It was great. See, now we tried with another location before that. This is probably going back about 15 years. There's a uh, Dexter training grounds near the armory has documentation of Babe Ruth at least practicing there. And, you know, they're tied to the original Grays, too. And we lost to a dog park. So, you know, it's always, <laughs> you win. <laughs> the right hand in the right pocket gets it done. And we were just a bunch of guys who loved the history of our favorite game, and we couldn't win. Uh, it's a tale as old as time. The dog park or the small walking sidewalk through the middle of where a vintage baseball team is trying to uh, to play Jeff we have a similar story here uh, in Michigan about a field being uh, uh, misused not used built back up and then taken away from everybody for special events don't we yeah I, I was listening to, to Rudy's story in this and I was like boy this is like the blueprint of what happened to Tiger Stadium in Detroit uh, it was it was under so much litigation for what they were going to do Ernie Harwell the voice of the Tigers for many years said he wanted to do something with it and you know Ernie says he's going to do it then you got to give him the, the benefit of the doubt but unfortunately nothing happened it got overgrown like grass the size of corn stalks and then you have a dedicated group of volunteers who just said you know to hell with trespassing laws we're going to go in and we're going to start chopping it down and we're going to try to restore the field to what it once was and Lo and behold, like, and once they started doing it, a lot of the, the good local clubs in the area, like the early risers of Detroit and, uh, you know, a lot of the teams in the area said, well, let's have some vintage baseball to get the attention going. And every game, the police would show up and they would tell everybody to leave. And we'd say, you know, either no, or we got a permit or something like that. And then they just leave and finish the game. And, Kind of like, like literally what Rudy said, you know, soon as the city found out that it could make some money off of it, the volunteers got kicked off. It got converted into a, you know, little league field that now nobody can get into except the, the Detroit Police Athletic League. So 
uh, unfortunately, you know, hearing Brian's story, it brings back a lot of, you know, un- brings back a lot of nightmares about, you know, follow the money and see where it goes. So, Brian, the Rocky Point Vintage Baseball Festival, uh, Providence Grays doing that, putting that on for the fourth year, I believe. Uh, what was, did you guys have a signature event before uh, you've tried to pull off this Rocky? So, 25, 20, you're in your 26th year of a reincarnation of the Providence Grays, and uh, you didn't have your own uh, event, but you traveled because there's a lot. The thing about the East Coast, there's a lot of events. Uh, so, yeah. Y- yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we had, a, you know, Beth Page as an example of how to put on an event at a great historic place. So it's now the Doc Adams Festival, but when I first started going, it was just Beth Page Old Time Baseball Festival. And Tom Fezlowitz used to do a ton of work with that. He still does. And that was our first introduction into, wow, we can go and not walk out with a trophy, and that's cool. We can go and just play ball and try different styles and meet teams from across the country. This is awesome. And, you know, we've been doing Gettysburg now every year for I think 12, 13 years, whatever. I think we started in the third year. And, you know, so it's just getting that experience, but doing it on the East Coast so that we don't have to travel too far away. And it's not that we're afraid to travel. It's not that we won't travel, but nobody in Rhode Island had anything. Nobody in Massachusetts had anything. I know, uh, you know, our friends at Westfield Wheelman are trying to start something that's, you know, a little bit further, a couple hours west of us and trying to make that build. And we're on the bay. That's like, that's, that's the thing that we got that nobody else does. So we want to see that keep going. The closest we had, we used to do a little round robin at a place called Renaud Field in Woonsocket, which was once Lajeway Field. So that's why we, did it there. And we used to always play American Association rule from 1884, which is below the shoulder pitching instead of overhand pitching, which is National League rule. That's about the closest we came. It would be three teams for one day. And it's like, all right, this is a pain to advertise. But now we've got different people who are doing that work, getting on social media, making the posters, doing all that legwork to get the food trucks there so that people are like, wow, I don't have to leave. I can just stay all day and hang out. And wow, this chopped cheese is pretty good. I'm going to hang out figure all day and watch so yeah that was our uh this is our first foray but we just want to keep it growing yeah you definitely have a good foundation there uh as you'll see i i released the audio of mike feeney and i calling the first match between the grays and the wheelman and uh and then uh i'm left to my own devices for the second and fourth matches but when the third match came I got to tell you, I'm a little tired of the Canton Corn Shuckers, so I took a break that game and enjoyed food and beverages and some wonderful, uh, very highly toxic whiskey lemonade thing that uh, Grit gave me, and it was like 9%. And, uh, <laughs> and I was able to – I realized I was – if I could just call all these games when I go places – I am not going to have a chance to take any of it in. So I just took the opportunity to watch uh, the third game. It was Canton, and uh, I don't remember, tell you the truth. Uh, oh, it was uh, the Resolutes, the Elizabeth Resolutes. Uh, I just took the opportunity to be a fan and a spectator and watch that game. So that that was great, and then I called the fourth game. The, the issue I have is I, 
I have to go back and edit those, those two other games that I haven't put out yet because it's just me talking and there's a lot of dead air. So I got to size those down. So there's not so much dead air. I really enjoy having somebody, uh, call these games with. And I was like, well, you know what? All the Providence grays are going to be there. And, uh, I'm not going to have a problem having one of them sit down with me, but you guys were busy playing the entire weekend. You didn't have, <laughs> you didn't have any time. Well, not just that, but between all the games, and then it's really important to us that we umpire everything at our own event. So we had three people umpiring while trying to play, and then anybody shows up short, we're going to jump in and fill it out because you come to us, we want you to have that great time, and I don't want to see, see a team out there with seven guys because that's not cool. So, you know – so we had some guys play like you know six, seven games over the course of the weekend, and that was including not being able to play one of our games because their card got pulled for umping or something like that. So it's – even though we had – I think we had 14, 14 guys there, and we had very few people who were free at any time. Uh, when you guys are having a discussion about the format of this festival and you want to show showcase all the different years – and you go with a festival instead of a tournament. Was a tournament ever discussed? No. Is there a tournament? How would how it's about to us? Right. We'll go play a tournament, but I okay. I would rather see the game portrayed so that fans can come out and see something they've never seen before and ask what if we're in the middle of a tournament game and you start asking me questions about a random rule i'm not going to be all that thrilled i'm going to be trying to focus on what i need to do but if it's a festival i'll stop i'll bring the bat over i'll you know have your kid swing the bat and we played on george's island in boston harbor this past weekend there was this family from oklahoma they were the nicest people and you know between innings we're over there showing the kids the bat and they're checking them out and you know, we gave the kids an autograph. But, like, that's why we do what we do as a festival. It's for the fans. It's for the education of the game. But we get to go out there and be kids in our hot as hell wool uniform. <laughs> uh, uh, Jeff Kozlowski, newest host of the show. Cougar, let me ask you this. You do a summer-long program at Greenfield Village where you're just playing matches against clubs that come in, and then you have world tournament. Are you, just like Brian was saying, are you different people during those events? Um, mostly, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, as Brian said, in, in a traditional, regular, friendly game, yeah, if we get a visitor that comes to us, which is pretty regularly, then yeah, we will stop and just, just exactly like Brian said, show them the bat, show them a the ball, and really take the opportunity to teach. There have been many opportunities or many times where I've been in the middle of talking and I hear, Cougar, you're up! And I have to like, oh, excuse me a second, grab the bat from the visitor, run down, swing at the first pitch, run back up the hill and and take care of it there. So, but, you know, a tournament does. I mean, a tournament absolutely changes you on your head. You see that the the intensity level gets ramped up and, you know, we can lose a friendly and, you know, shake hands and smile at the end. You lose a tournament game and we're different people. Yeah, I'll back him up on that barrel roller. You know, Cougar was with us in May in Flat Rock having a good time. We're chatting whenever we went up during non-world tournament times and played Cougar's the best. We played Cougar on Saturday. I said, hey, Cougar, good to see you. He flipped me the bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, my mother's standing right there. And, he and just then I flipped away. her off, too. and then your mother flipped you off rudy uh you know what i like about rudy is when he goes 
uh, out into the stands. It's with a baseball off the bat in a fair foul <laughs> situation. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he'll walk up to a young child and, and show the child the ball and the side of the ball that he's going to attempt to smack across their face with a fair yeah. foul attempt. This is the side of the ball I'm going for on your temple. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I do everything Brian said, but it's more immersive. I hit the ball at the children. And then, you know, so they can be like, you know, they can get a real idea of what it feels like to be out there. Oh, it really hurt in vintage times, just like that. Yep, exactly. Rub some dirt on it. Brian Brian kind of scooted over something. I don't know if it was just a phrase he used or if it actually something happened. Um, You said uh, they, they missed out on a game because their card got pulled to umpire. Are you like random drawing cards? No, no we actually track who's umps when and how many games they've done. And then so we kind of have a rotation through the team okay. that uh, we're trying to balance it. So that way, if you have to umpire at our event, okay, everybody's going to do it. But if you have to umpire one of our games, you kind of get extra credit because we don't have an ump. Mm-hmm. Our players ump. We all take turns doing it. So it would be, all right, well, I hate to tell you, Rudy, but you're, you got to ump our game against Westfield because you're up and yeah. up. And everybody on the team gets it and says, you got it. This is what we do. We all know we're there for each other and do it the right way. So nobody complains. They just understand because that's the culture we've created within our team. I really hope some clubs are listening. I hope some people in the Midwest are hearing this. Let me tell you something. You say the word umpire. And it's a, you You said the forbidden word. Everyone's quiet, and then people slowly fade into the bush like the Homer Simpson gift. They just kind of go away when you mention umpiring in a match. I love this idea because it never fails. When they, Whenever we're at an event and they're like, hey, the Capitals have to umpire this match, I already know, well, I'm going to be umpiring because no mm-hmm. one else on our team umpires ever. Yeah, literally everybody has done a game – Outside of Rocky Point in our rotation, whether it's, you know, if we go to Gettysburg, I'll always do those so the team can rest. They can go sightsee between, you know, things like that. But, you know, we played over at, uh, like I said, we played in George's Island over the weekend. There was a guy, I felt bad. He had just come back from Ireland. So he missed Rocky Point because he was away. But I walked over and I'm like, I'm sorry, man, but you're, and he's like, okay, gotcha. I'll do, I'll go do first game. This is, this is crack. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story because he doesn't listen. So uh, I ended up umpiring your match in Gettysburg two summers ago because Chuck had a, a bathroom emergency and he had to go to the bathroom. And Chuck asked my brother Ian to fill in for him. And this is what Ian went. Yeah, I got you. I'll cover you. And then he came over to me. And he said, "Hey, Rudy, they need you to umpire this match." <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, "Great, thanks." That's funny. Uh, that's a good one. I like it. Hey, Brian, um, can I jump in? I don't know if it got covered yet. I wanted to ask you about uh, community involvements, and uh, if if it has been covered, I apologize. But um, you know, with with this festival going on, you know, how active is like say you know local city council, local television, newspapers, and all this? How how much involvement have they been uh, with regard to this festival? Not a ton. So one of our players, Helen Sheldon, does a lot of uh, work with that. She's the one that goes out and gets newspapers to come and do stories on us. She's the one that um, gets advertisements. She's the one that goes and gets sponsors and things like that. But 
because we don't really have a home field, it's hard for somebody to be like, hey, I'll be your sponsor, but we want to sign that. So we don't get much of that at all. And if we had better relations with the city councilman or things like that, maybe we would add a home field a whole lot sooner than my 24th season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rome Rome wasn't built in a day, but I, I would have liked to have thought maybe a little bit sooner than that. So, yeah, but it's all right because we're also perfectly happy to go travel around the area too. I mean, you know, if uh, we talk to our friend Chuck in Connecticut and he's like, "Hey, come on out, play in Hartford," you got it. That's so we'll go and do that, and then they'll come to us at some point. Or you know, we make multiple trips to New York, and I know we're not quite some of the Midwest teams that travel any and everywhere, but I know also there's some Midwest teams that go nowhere. We do a fair amount of traveling, and uh, we have less home games than road games, and that's, I mean, uh, yeah. Last home games. That's fine. You're sensationalizing what we have here. We have one team that'll go anywhere and everywhere. One team. The rest don't go anywhere. At all. (laughs) At all. At all. They hate leaving the state that they're in. Yeah. They they really hate it. And when you're scheduling, uh, and Rudy can attest to this, when you're scheduling your club and an opportunity goes to leave the state for something, it <laughs> you really got to uh, ask everybody about it. You've got to think about how they're liars because they will yeah. uh, because half of them will change their mind the week of. Oh and do you want to put something on your schedule that you feel is going to fail because traveling is a it's a not so grand over here? Boy, I wish we had two Canton Corn Shucker teams. Yeah. Not, you know. Yeah. Uh, to really get Midwest baseball all over the East, uh, it's really a bummer, actually. In fact, Canton kind of depresses me now that I think about it. Uh, yeah. Brian, that was your second, or no, you've gone to Gettysburg many times, so you've been exposed to the the gents from the Canton Corn Shuckers. Uh, uh, how was your experience with them uh, this time at Rocky Point? Uh, well, they kicked our ass again if that's what you're uh don't yeah. hold back that's our no, no they're awesome they they they're just guys that get they're a lot younger than us but they get it they just understand why they're there and the fact that they're just talented ball players to go with it just makes it that much more of a challenge i mean you know we uh we switched to hanford baseballs and so when i don't remember if it was rob or mike who brought them when they showed up but they had their logo on one side and on the 84 ball, you turn it, they stamp the Providence Grays logo on it. Like they just, they know how to give you that extra touch. And then they touch all the bases. Uh, we did it. Dozens of times. <laughs> well, they're good, but uh, yeah. you know, it's a festival. But they're not Who cares? Talk about it. And see, that's the thing that's rare in this game. When you get a team that's that good, oftentimes, they know they're that good, and they make sure you know that it's that good. Oh, guys were just out there having a blast playing ball, smile on their face the whole time. I umpired one of their games, and Marbles was catching. And, like, every batter that came up, he's looking, he's like, strike well, sir. And I'm like, how can you not like these guys? <laughs> well, when you're in the field and they just scored their 30th run, Sure. <laughs> that's when but, you start disliking but, no, them. I've been doing this long enough to know. I don't mind. I, nobody ever wants to lose. Don't get me wrong. But when you're losing to a team who's doing it the right way and they're just out playing you, 
you tip your hat. They, you know, and they're a team that doesn't do it with a, that attitude. It's the teams that, oh, my 75-year-old guy who had to go up there and get a swing needs a pinch runner from the plate. So let me pull my fast 22-year-old kid. He's going to – no, no. That's when I got an issue. That's the kind of stuff that just doesn't – like, why? If you're really that concerned about it, go find an over-30 no, league. No, no, no. Listen, everybody lay out. 11-on-11 softball so that you can be done in 45 minutes and then go sit and drink your Coors Light in the parking lot. Go ahead. Everybody, (laughs) everybody lay out. We have found the sweet spot, okay? And the sweet spot is vintage baseball pet peeves with Brian Travers. We are about to allow Brian Travers to go on the rant of his vintage baseball pet peeves. We are not going to get in his way. Do not interrupt him. Oh, Do God. not stop him. No, no, I am giving you, you a platform. I want no. I don't want one, Brian. I want all you right, to let it right. loose. I want you to go ahead and use this platform to get it out there right now. Bring it on, Brian. All right, let's see what I got. Number <laughs> one: Why does your entire team not have on the same uniform? Hold on, I got to write these down. There will be a discussion. You know, I get it. Sometimes you're short. I got you. I'm, I'm pulling secretary duty. I got it. But you know what? So bring a uniform. Like, be covered. You know you've got eight guys. Uh, another one? Well, you know, we're a little bit short. I've only got ten, so let me borrow the three best players from this other team so my guys can sit on the bench while I'm playing these other guys. Keep going. Do your homework. <laughs> know your own rules. Know your own rules. We shouldn't have to have a discussion about your rules. I should know your rules better than you do so that when something comes up on the field, I shouldn't have to explain to you the rules of your own style. But then again, why did you pick the style that you have? Are you a 60s team and you're wearing knickers? Why are you doing that? Because you didn't do your homework. Hey, hey Brian, <laughs> let, me just, let me just say this. Uh, avoid Ohio for a little bit, okay? <laughs> Uh, I've played very few teams from Ohio because very few have come out east in my time. So I'm not speaking specifically about anybody at all. Yeah. What a perfect timing. Uh, joining the room right now from the Providence Grays is Johnny Carlavale. Hey. Uh, Johnny. Uh, he'll be in here in a second. There I he believe. Special surprise treat for Brian is Johnny coming in. Uh, Johnny, can you hear us? There you are. Oh, there we go. Like, we don't talk enough. You should see the text thread that I have with him after game day <laughs> or before. It doesn't matter. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Johnny, welcome to the what? show. Well, I, 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 let's see. Let's Let me look at the last text I have to Brian, which is... Um, We have a couple threads going right now, though, because we're going. Oh, it's like it's been a few hours, man. All right, it's been a few hours. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, nothing. Hey, while I got Brian and Johnny here, let me say, uh, let me talk about an incident that happened at the Rocky Point Festival. I'm sitting there. I'm calling a game, and the tent jumps up and blows away into the parking lot. I do not. You'll hear it on the call. I do not stop. I do not stop calling the baseball game. I'm totally exposed. The The tent rolls around in the parking lot and gets broke. 
So they cannot even bring the tent back. It just gets folded up and thrown to the side. Somebody brings a tent over. They start putting up this tent, and I'm I'm back undercover. Uh, it was like a NASCAR race pit crew. Of, it really was. <laughs> of putting up the tent and having me put back undercover. And, Johnny, your wife was uh, amazing uh, to, to me and my wife. Uh, my wife uh, wanted me to pass along how much she really enjoyed your wife. And uh, so I just want to take this opportunity while I have two of you here uh, to tell you how much I appreciate uh, you guys bringing me in and letting me do whatever I wanted to do helping me out uh, with whatever, whatever I needed help with. And uh, you make, it, it's it's clubs and people like you guys that make this whole thing worth it. Uh, you are the guys in the clubs that people like Rudy and Jeff and myself seek out to do things with, uh, to play against. Uh, you guys are just amazing over there in your 26th year. So, uh, a very big thank you from the Roller Out the Barrel podcast to you two. Oh, I really appreciate it. I mean, it's what we do, right, Brian? That's right. When when we like people and, and people do things right, they're family. Oh, that. And then I went to the revival. Of, oh, go ahead, Johnny. Speaking of doing things right, I just really have to like. Yeah, I talked about, about this. Okay, let's see it. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's, this is a phenomenal product. I'm not just saying that to, to blow smoke. This is a phenomenal product. That's awesome. So for the uh, for the listener out there, you'll see this tomorrow on the YouTube channel. Uh, uh, Johnny just showed off the, the baseball where it's got the Hanford stamp on one side and on the other side, the Providence Gray stamp. It's the little details that they pay attention to that make this so special. That's nice. This thing is hard as a rock. <laughs> and I, I I would read you the text I have going back and forth with Rob about how hard it is, but it's inappropriate. Uh, yeah, they the um the funny thing about Mike Feeney is when he puts his mind to something, he gets it done. So he was unhappy with the product of vintage baseballs that were out there in the landscape, and uh, he spent so much time trying to find a way to bring a better ball to the community. And uh, he, him and uh, also who uh, on the corn chuckers, they, they put in so much time doing investigating and finding where they can find these balls and, and do everything that they do in vintage baseball. So uh, hats off to those guys always looking to improve vintage baseball, not only through their play, not only through their sportsmanship, but always looking to bring in uh, different things, and also they're willing to play any style in any year, so that doesn't that doesn't hurt either. And you know, it kind of you kind of uh, parallels these two gentlemen joining us today. Um, I really it, Johnny, you you emailed me like almost immediately when we had this conversation with you back in. Uh, I want to say like the early mid fall and you're like, Hey, we're going to get this thing together. We want the capitals to come out. And I knew in that moment, I was like, I don't think I can get my club out to that event, but it's on like, it's, it's our bucket list. It's at the top of our bucket list to get out. What I want to know from you two. And it's very inclusive. Like you said, Brian, you want clubs to come in, have a good time, experience different eras and you will get, they'll get a chance to play the way they play. 
Are there any clubs in particular or states or regions of the country that you would like to appeal to, like to, for as as you continue to grow this event, uh, that you have in mind, either one of you? Um, I don't think there's anybody in particular that we're like, oh, we need to get, but we want to get teams from all over the place to come and experience East Coast baseball. We want them to come and see teams that they don't get to see. We'd love more Midwest teams. I'd love to see one of the California teams or a pick nine from, uh, you know, the, the San Francisco area to make a trip out here. Might be a little bit tough for us to make a reciprocal trip that far, but hey, we figure it out. You know, there's Florida teams popping up. It'd be cool if they could come up. Um, but we just want to see different teams. We want to, I was actually, I'm going through the history of the team. And looking back at all the old score sheets, um, I learned how to score the Harry right way from 1883. So I'm going back and redoing all the sheets from the history of the team. And I've realized that unless I'm missing some, the Grays have played 90 different teams over the 26 years that we've been in existence. Like, I want to get to 100. Before I'm done, I want to get us to 100. So that means we might need 10 new teams to come to Rocky Point because it seems like we can't get brand new teams to Gettysburg anymore. It's just like a rotation of teams, but there are some that we've never played there too. Well, I mean, I, I've, uh, I, I say to everybody that like when I talk to Nick about the Cowtown scramble, give us teams we've never played before. I mean, I don't want to beat up on a team and I don't want to get beat up on, but I mean, at least give me somebody I've, I've never met before just to, to, to share the experience. Absolutely. That's that's hilarious. Your your statement, Bryant, it just encapsulates how important this is to you that you're going back and redoing stats. Like no no one's gonna sit down with stats that you have from past years and then just redo them all so they're accurate and correct. That's that's passion, buddy. But there's that. things you know, like you learn what the different symbols like the guys on the team joke about it. They're like it's hieroglyphics, it's different language. But it really is. Because, you know, there's three different ways to mark an error, depending on what type of error it is. And there's four different ways to mark an out, whether it's a fly or it's a, on the ground, is it foul, is it fair, all those things. But then you add in the little things like in 1884, if you go first to third on a single, you get a stolen base. Well, I didn't know that at the time. So I have to go back and redo the 1884 games only with that respect. But we also used to play some 1887 ball when we go down to Beth Page. In 1887, only a walk counted as a hit. So if you go back and look at the all-time, like, highest batting averages, there's a reason that there's a slew of them from 1887. So I have to go back and look for those games, and somebody walked, they got a hit. That's going to pump up their app, you know? So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. There's no point in not doing it 100%. And it feels like when you when you do something like that to, for the creation of a, of a festival setting where you have multiple years going on throughout the course of the weekend – Looking at one version, then for somebody to say, you know, it looks like hieroglyphics, like, well, now you know why we changed it. Right. You know, play a game from 1858, and I can't tell you how many times I play a 58 game and go, that's a stupid rule. I hope they change it. <laughs> then you play 64, and like, well, I'm glad they changed that, but now this one sucks, and I, we need to do right. something else about it. And it's, yeah. I think that's really cool how you guys have created the festival setting, talking to the guys from the Corn Shuckers and how. Yeah, we played, you know, 69 against this team. We played 84 against them, played this. Like, it seems like 
you know, I, I, I was going to ask you about feedback that you've received from teams. Like, what sorts of feedback do you get from players either in the heat of the moment or uh, coming back? I don't think we've gotten any negative feedback. Everybody has come back to us that they've enjoyed the event. I mean, are they telling us they enjoyed it or did they get there and look out at Narragansett Bay and say, wow, look at this and um, just be like, you know what, this is cool. I, I don't know, but I don't feel like we get any negative feedback from it because we go out of our way to try to make it so that there's nothing that can be a negative experience for them. I mean, we're just, I mean, we're, we're trying to do something. You spend so much money traveling and staying in hotel rooms and we're saying, you don't have to pay us a fee. You don't even have to bring your own balls. We'll we'll buy the balls for you. We'll provide that. You don't you don't even have to umpire a game. If you only have nine guys, you got nine guys. Uh, we'll umpire it, and we'll have umpires that know the rules. And you know it that it's about the game for me. I, it was a dream of mine to have happen, and Brian was on board, and we're rolling with it. And then adding things like, you know, you're coming in, you've got travel to get to us, you're spending time, what are you going to do? You don't know the city. So this year when we added Revival Brewery, you got to come out, hang out and listen to Johnny's band, The High End. You got to listen to Helen and the Trash Pandas. They each played a set. Good beer. Slow service. No offense. But so hey, let's know. talk about the service, Brian. So here's the <laughs> here's the way that you did a food order at that place. You you walked in, you said, hey, how about I'm going to take some nachos. Okay, here we go. We'll pay for that, and then we'll bring them out to you. But they don't know where you're at. There's no system no. of tables or anything. So every few minutes, you would see somebody walk out from the kitchen with a plate of food and go, uh, are you Tom? No, I'm not. And then they just keep walking around the bar asking everybody if they're Tom because they have their nachos. That was a All dumpster right. fire. <laughs> you realize people that age are going to be uh, uh, running our country. <laughs> no, I'll be dead. So, uh, but in, their defense, in the defense of the people working, number one, they had one brick oven. They were not equipped to handle that many people. Number two, they found out we were coming three hours before we got there, but then they couldn't find the manager. Oh. Oh man, and they're so, not yeah, used to being busy. A bit of a shock for them. Are, they're they not used to being busy. Amps like what is? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so Johnny's band uh, hit the stage, and uh, this is the first time Johnny's the lead singer of a band. He usually, I would say, most of the time he he's uh, relegated to bass and backup vocals. Uh, Johnny, uh, my right. Uh, this is his band, right? Uh, so Johnny can go, uh, I can tell you that if you're looking for a, a feedback on, on your performance, Johnny at the revival brewing company, you can go my official review. <laughs> and I already knew Helen could go. Uh, I play Helen's song on the show religiously. I just needed to, I need her to change the words. And it can be my new theme song. I'm I'm gotta talk to her about that. We started talking about that last year. I gotta finish my talk with her on that. But uh, uh, yeah, the music was great. The atmosphere was 
weird uh, with all the food that just kept going around and around. But a fantastic event. Uh, you guys did have food trucks at Rocky Point. And uh, Providence, Rhode Island, I didn't get to spend a lot of time, so uh, I have no comments on Providence. Uh, somebody tell me about Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, come back. <laughs> and we'll uh we'll go do some things man it's a it's 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 a great place it really is i mean i lived there up until i mean i've been in massachusetts now for like maybe 13 years but i mean it's the greatest city in america it really is water fire going on during uh during our event I don't know. I, you want to go eat? That's what you want to do. Oh, go eat some. Go eat some food on the hill. Yeah. Oh. Is there is there a like? Uh, does your season get is your based on your geography? I don't know anything about meteorology or anything, but I know you're close to water. Does your season end earlier because it gets colder faster, or like can no. you, you start later? No. Start in April. We end in October. Yeah. So well, sometimes can... it's just cold. You play in October? Shut, 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 shut the front door. Teams play in October, Barrel Roller. No, no, no. Around here. For, what, 10 years or so with uh, the Brooklyn Atlantics come up to see us, and that's that's our last date. Uh, around here, there's, Rudy, there's plenty of teams that schedule matches in October. There's dozens of teams that schedule matches in October. No, they don't play them. They don't play them. Nobody plays in October around here. But they schedule matches. Like, let me tell you guys what happens around in the Midwest, okay? Uh, So the world tournament happens at Greenfield Village in August. Half of the community in the Midwest shuts it down at that point, right after that weekend, right? So now you're dealing with even lower numbers for these games that you've already scheduled uh, ahead of time, and you you really have a hard time getting these matches done after that. And then the season ends, and everyone's like, oh, God, thank God that was over. I don't know I don't know if I can make that commitment again, with the, the commitment that you did not make in the first place very well. And then, uh, no... October comes around and when October comes around, everybody's been about a month removed from taking the field. And they're like, I can't wait till vintage baseball starts again. And they start (laughs) talking to everybody about scheduling and everyone's like, yeah, as many games as possible. Yeah. 25 games. And, and they totally forget that the guys weren't showing up for half the games. They scheduled way (laughs) too much. They scheduled these road trips that never worked out. So then everybody's schedule comes out and, and people like me who are removed from playing now can go, Oh, that's, that's six or seven, uh, cancellations right there on that schedule i just look at schedules and i start counting cancellations much like i do when i look at the miami dolphins football schedule every year and count the wins i'm counting cancellations on these schedules and uh they it's a very emotional uh process here in the midwest uh jeff kozlowski are you still there okay he he stepped out i I played in november before i mean and I'll, i'll i'll play in december Let's keep going. Um, I played uh, Chuck, one. We played Chuck one. Chuck Chicarello does that cold weather game in November. Oh, really? oh no, no. It's pretty I, rough. It's fun though. We played in. Um, it was a while ago, like 2010. We played the Atlantics in North Carolina in November, and that was a lot of fun. But I don't. Yeah, we haven't gone any deeper. I can't. 
I can't even think about starting in cold, cold weather. Well, we, that's a lie. Like my brother and I went down to Florida in February to play and it was essentially like Midwest summer. So it was nice. Nice hat, Rudy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Very I got much. one up in there on the wall next to crash. Oh, nice. <laughs> I like that. You got the green belt, right? Is that what that is? Yeah. I went with the, uh, the odd colors. Cause I like that. It's good. You're good. It's just see, a different hat. You see his hat game, Barrel Roller? He wears it like a cool guy. Hey, remember that sweet San Francisco Pelicans hat you got, Rudy? Boy, yeah. that was a good hat. I wish I had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think, Matt, we discussed this, didn't we? In, in, in Providence. <laughs> uh, Johnny gave me I a think- bag of swag from the Providence Grays, by the way, and some of his uh, music that I haven't gotten to yet. Sorry, Johnny, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's been a busy. All right, week. I haven't got to it yet either. Uh, but uh, so uh, you guys can mark it down. I'm coming back to Boston. I've ar- we've already made plans, so we're coming back to Boston the weekend after Memorial Weekend in May. The Detroit Tigers are coming to town to whoop on some of that Boston Red Sox ass in a four game yeah, series. I'll be there for three of the games. Uh, my wife. And my daughter are actually going to go spend a day in Salem and do the witch stuff because my daughter didn't get to experience it. And I'm just doing baseball and beer all weekend. So I'm not there as uh, the podcast. I'm just there as a drunk guy at Fenway. She has to call my wife for the um, the witch stuff. Does your wife want to go to the witch stuff? She likes the witch stuff. My, my, oh, wife, is, my wife is the queen of the witch stuff. Is your wife there right now? Uh, she went to bed a little early. Oh, damn it. I was going to talk to her about the Martha's Vineyard Jaws tour. Just to get... oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. When what Jeff when Jeff Kozlowski comes back, we have to play the last of the Jonathan McLean tidbits because he'll be doing those live in the future. So we have one of those if anybody needs to take a break when Jeff comes back. What do you mean he, he'll do them live? What are you talking about? Jonathan McLean. Oh, look at that. We've already uh, discussed that. Uh, Jaws. Yeah. It's one, of my to- it's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Uh, for the listeners out there, Johnny is uh, unrolling a beautiful uh, Jaws poster. Love that. The real one. Yeah. Uh, Brian, when the Chicago Cubs jumped into the ocean when they were playing uh, at Rocky Point, how many of them died from a shark attack? Uh, probably zero. We don't get real sharks up here. Oh, you mean like the, the ones that will hunt you? Yes. We don't get, Jaws doesn't invade Narragansett Bay so much. Well, that's what, but that's what, they went back to back. I mean, they couldn't have died and gone back to back. (laughs) I'm, I'm just saying it, it could happen. I mean, that's what made Jaws so special is it wasn't supposed to happen. And it happened. You know what so I mean? you can come back to Rocky Point. You can tempt fate. We'll uh, we'll set you up on oh, a floating no. kind of like you know no. they have out in San Francisco, and you can you can broadcast from the bay. There you go. No, I don't go into their yard. Look at I I tell the story <laughs> of how uh, we used to go down to the Keys every year on vacation, and I would go snorkeling, and it was a very I've always been a little hesitant about the ocean, but I did some stuff. I wasn't that scared, whatever. And so I get into the water. Okay. For one, they threw a handful of oatmeal at me. 
right? And they threw the oatmeal at me, and all the the fish came around and started eating the oatmeal. So it was almost like I was getting some sort of full body massage from a bunch of very bright <laughs> fish. Though. And, you know, I asked for more oatmeal. I'm that kind of guy. But listen, then uh, they said, by the way, when you go down there, you're going to see barracuda. Just ignore them. They're not going to bother you. Uh, everything you've heard about barracuda is not true. They're not, they don't attack uh, as long as you don't have anything shiny on. And, uh, and what if they saw, what, what? I don't have anything shiny on, but how do I know they didn't see some? Uh, anyway, I go down there. <laughs> I go down there and I see two of the biggest barracuda. I didn't know barracuda were that big. I've seen barracuda around some docks where I've been fishing and they were, you know, this big. Those were huge and they just stared at me. They didn't, they didn't swim. You didn't see any movement. They just stared at me and I'm like, they could kill me if they wanted to right now. They had huge, huge mouths of teeth. And I'm like, it's, that's unsettling. Uh, it's unsettling. Jeff Kozlowski is not coming back. <laughs> he said, see you on the next episode. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a habit of driving people away. No, he, uh, <laughs> he showed up, Johnny. He was like, all right, I got to go. He had, fa- <laughs> he had some fathering duties that came up. So, uh, uh, so then I, so I'm, I'm backing away from the Barracuda and I make my way back, uh, up to the top and I get out uh, my head above the water and I hear, I'm there just in time to hear somebody, Hey, I see a shark. I see a shark and he's waving people over and I'm like, what? And everybody <laughs> starts swimming over to the sky where he's like, I see a shark. Okay. No, he doesn't say anything about what kind of shark, how big this shark is. He says nothing. Everyone just starts swimming. And I just can't help but think the humans are not smart. They're, we're just not a smart species. So I uh, calmly got up on the boat, did not go back in. And I said, you know what? I'm good. I've been in the ocean. I don't need to go back in. That's their yard. I don't need it. But I will throw somebody into the ocean. <laughs> look i sat on a dock in the keys with a light coming out from underneath having some wonderful cocktails at night and we would just see stuff swim by float by on the top and things we've never seen before and it's just creepy as all hell okay i don't know what these things do i i don't want to be in the water with those things that's i my wife wanted to go to college for marine biology, and she's out of her <laughs> goddamn mind. No thank you. No way. No how. I saw an eel jump out at me once. That's not fun. I don't care what she thinks is fun. That isn't fun. So that's a no on the ocean for me, Brian. Thank you. Okay. I mean, if she wants to step up our game, I mean, we got to step up the broadcasting too, right? <laughs> Yeah, barrel roll, you gotta step up your game. I don't have to step up my game. My game is just good at average. Uh Johnny, we were talking to Brian just before you jumped in here about a subject that I feel like we're gonna give you some space and let you explore the territory around here. The subject that we gave Brian and he and he stopped. He hit all the high points uh that really bother him. These are vintage baseball pet peeves, Johnny. I want you to take a second. I want you to think about this. 
want you to think about your vintage baseball pet peeves. I want you to think about how you're going to word this. I want you to think about how strong you're going to come with this take. Uh, but Brian got through some of them. Now what's going to happen here is, Johnny, you're going to start telling everybody about some of your vintage baseball pet peeves, and then Brian's going to remember a couple that he didn't say in his earlier segment, and then he's going to chime in at the end uh, about more pet peeves. So without without swearing, uh, my wife used to say, what's up with that guy that swears all the time? I'm like, he's just passionate. She's like, yeah, I like him. Uh <laughs> And I haven't sworn once today. <laughs> Do you have a swear bucket at your house? Oh, uh, no. My wife would, my wife would, she'd have more money in it than I would. <laughs> All right. So, Johnny, please take this opportunity, take this platform to go ahead and let's talk about your vintage baseball pet peeves. Pet peeves. Bastardized rules. Is that a? Can I say that word? No, you can. Yeah, you did. Yeah, do it. Go for it. I want. I want you to get ba- fired bastardized up. rules. Uh, you know the the pinch runner one is a great one for me. You know it, it, it it's written it, it's written in the rule book. You can read it right there, and uh, you you continue to. I get it. Join a softball league if you can't run to first base. I love it. Yes. Um, someday I'm not going to be able to run to first base. And that's when I'm going to stop playing. Yeah. So uh, Brian was saying that when a pinch runner has to happen in those circumstances, they just happen to uh, get the 22 year old speedster off the bench to come up and do the pinch running. They know, mm-hmm. they know in advance that this guy isn't going to be able to run. So they already have this plan down in advance. Uh, Which is why, if you read the uh, guidelines from Rocky Point, we put in there, you need a pinch runner and you got to talk to the other captain. You have to make your first, and then the other captain gets to pick your runner because that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'll take the guy who just finished running. If I I don't necessarily believe you, I'm going to be a little vindictive with my choice. I'm not going to make a scene and make the guy run, but you're not going to be happy with who I pick. It's not last out. Because if you're smart, you're going to stack your lineup. The guy who can't run and the guy right before him is going to be the guy that was fast. So if he got out, now I can just throw him. No, no, that's not how it works. I mean, I'll I'll go to an example, and it was probably the last time I was, I was probably the last time I was getting really chippy, and I and and I've learned to to say to Brian, I, I think it's time I sit down, <laughs> and that was at Gettysburg when there was a a runner. They wanted to have a runner at the maybe 10 feet by home plate. And I play underhand catching. So my argument to the umpire is that person's in my peripheral vision. Um, if a fall ball comes, I may look over there very quickly yeah. and drop a fall ball. And I just said that as a what if. And I asked the umpire, I said, if, if, a fall ball does happen, and I drop it because he's there. You got to make the out. It's an automatic out. I'll bastardize the rules with you, but you got to meet me halfway. <laughs> and he agreed. And I swear to God, the next play was a <laughs> fall ball <laughs> that I dropped, and and he, and it was because he was in my peripheral vision. And the umpire said, "You had plenty of time to get that." 
<laughs> and I said, Brian, it's time I come out. <laughs> Look at that. That's gross. Look at you. Recognizing that you were triggered. About to blow up the whole time thing. I come out. Let me ask this question. Like, you have these encounters with these clubs. Individuals. Whatever. Are you... Is there a conversation internally happening if you see them next season? Are you scheduling these people next season? If you run into them at events and you've scheduled with them, is there an internal club conversation? Like, hey, just so you know, this is what happened. They do this. We're not going to make a big deal about it. Like, what's that whole uh, scenario like for you as a club? That's us. That's Johnny and I talked about any and every possible thing we have conversations about things that I really feel like most people don't even consider. Okay. Be ready no matter what the situation is going to be. So if we do have a spot like that, if it's a one-off, that's when we'll just go back to them and be like, look, you got 10 guys. That guy doesn't need to be playing. If he can't run, why is he on the field? Play your nine. Or if he makes first, we'll have that conversation. But if it's a repetitive thing, yeah, we'll reschedule them. Okay. It's not. It's not worth it. We put in too much time and effort to not go have fun. Yep. I love that because I I agree one hundred percent. That's my approach as well. So yeah, totally. Brian, tell us a story of when Johnny didn't take himself out in time. <laughs> uh, which one do you want? You want the Connecticut one? Well, so, you just the just a good one. It doesn't matter which one. It, it, you know. Yeah. Well, this was uh, this was a game we were. Brian's playing. throwing me out of two games. I've thrown him out of two games. Um, <laughs> the first one and was. I still love him. It's family. Family does that. Um, we we're playing in Connecticut, and Johnny was given pitching to go in an underhand game, and was not getting calls. I don't want to say anything about anything else with it. Let's just say there were some strikes, but there were no strikes on the batter. Um, ball goes over the backstop, out of his hand, he's angry. And uh, so I John, maybe you should go. And next thing I know, he picked up a stick and was beating the living hell out of a tree about 50 <laughs> yards past the field while we were out there uh, finishing finishing the game. To my defense, so you weren't wrong. You weren't wrong. So, but he wasn't calling balls either, and that's yeah. where I, when I got very frustrated, and I and I did throw the ball over the backstop, and I said, "Is that a ball?" <laughs> <laughs> that's like drawing a line in the batter's box. You can't do that. <laughs> I did do that. Oh, sorry, I, I at the time didn't feel bad about it. Now I do. <laughs> I don't the benefit think... of hindsight. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if one of my kids was there. Like, what's Uncle Johnny doing? <laughs> uh, Brian, I will say that uh, if you listen to the play-by-play of your matches, you're going to hear me uh, kind of make fun of the fact that your facial expression never changes. So, and it looks like when you're on the baseball field that you're disappointed. And whatever just happened, you turn around and you have this look of disappointment on your face. So I'll say, oh, uh, Brian just made an error, and he turns around, and he's disappointed. Oh, Brian just got a solid base hit into the outfield, and he's disappointed. What's going on here? He looks disappointed. And uh, then there, there was a time 
where uh, uh, there was a, I remember this play. Johnny was catching, and uh, Brian, I believe you were pitching, and there was a little dribbler right down the first baseline, and you kind of started to go after it, but Johnny really needed to be the one to go after it. And you kind of said something to him, and I'm like, uh-oh, here comes the disappointed face. <laughs> Remember that play well. <laughs> but the next time that play happened, which happened again this weekend, when you weren't pitching, I went for the ball. Hmm. <laughs> so. And I distinctly remember that ball coming through me, and, oh, look, we, we got it now. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, the last game we played at, at Rocky Point, we were we were winning handedly and Brian was mad at us. <laughs> it's not about the score. It's about just taking the game seriously and having the respect for the game while you're on the field. You know, that kinda of leads into my next question. Oh. Uh I uh, back to Gettysburg, like twenty twenty two and I watched well, I umpired a little bit of that game with y'all, and then I watched your match with Walker. And having played it on the East Coast and been around for a while, and, and you know, I it, just guys playing baseball, a club, this is how you react. I know that it was a little bit of a culture shock for some Midwestern clubs because they were like, they were so intense. They're yelling at each other. They are like, they are yelling and like, to just because they're not used to that. And I loved everything about it. I love that, like, you, uh, there's an accountability, Brian, in with the, your club and, and the way you conduct yourself and the way you're playing the game and, and everything and such. I love that so much. Can we, can you talk about how you establish that when you establish that? Like, is it, does, are there individuals that need constant reminders, like Johnny mentioned about you, you not maybe not being happy with them in that last match? What is that conversation? What is that method like for you, Brian? I mean, it's just something that came over time. I mean, I started in 2000, and the guy who was the original captain of the team was probably the biggest stickler for history I've ever seen. And so I got the correct lesson on respect the game, do your homework, understand the history so that you can represent the history right from day one when I first started playing. So it was just natural for me to continue that. Mm -hmm. But that's my personal. I don't do anything halfway. I might not do it good, but I'm going to do it right. Yeah. And so that's what I feel about this. If we're stepping on that field and I see you out there joking around, put your damn hat on. Don't go out there without a hat on. Don't go out there with three different uniforms on. Oh. Go out there and have the respect for the game that it deserves. And if you're not going to play hard, then get your ass off the field. The Don't be drinking while you're playing. These guys go out there. they got a beer in their hand. Get off my field. Get off my field. Do you want to drink, drink in the parking lot when it's over after your softball game so that when you finish your 70, you know, your, your seven-inning, 45-minute game, and then you go and sit and drink your bullets in the parking lot? Cool. You tell them, bro. You want to play this, do it right. At least if you're going to do a drink whiskey out of a flask that's in your back pocket between plates. Because at least that's what they did in 1884 to dull the pain in their hands. I love that. Johnny pet peeve number two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, 
seven uniforms for nine guys. I already got that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one drives me nuts. I mean, we, we need to borrow players all the time. I got a bag. Look, here, I was going through them earlier. For, for players, we're going to borrow in a, in a couple yeah. of weeks. We're coming up short next weekend, so we've already talked to some teams about uh, helping us out, and we will have uniforms for them so that nine people dressed in gray uniforms will be on the field. So, like, there's this weekend is the Ohio Cup. It's like the, the big Midwest festival here in Ohio. And uh, we we've sometimes, by the end of the day, we've ran out of players for – you know, they have other commitments. People are injured. I have the bag. I carry the bag everywhere we go. It's got pants. It's got shirts. It's got belts. And they're like, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll help your team out. And I'll just wear, I'm like, nope, we got just, I got you all uniformed right here. Just pop it on and hop on out here. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, need, I mean, I do you ever see a Major League Baseball, baseball game where one guy's wearing the City Connect? The other guy's wearing the home uniform. The other guy's wearing the away uniform. I mean, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, they've got uh, rules. Exactly. I love it. You you hit a you hit a you hit a. I'm glad that I'm not the only one, Brian. When you said you hit a nerve, you were like, put a hat on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you hit. I was like, oh my goodness, yes, someone else gets it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Brian, I, I went to I went to <laughs> private school. I had to wear a, a shirt and tie. So I respect the uniform. There you go. So, Brian, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to get your comments on this. I bring this up all the time on the show because it could be my biggest, the biggest thing. If I could go, if somebody came to you and said, Roller, you have the power to change one thing in vintage baseball right now. You can change it. You can just, you have the power. What would it be? And I would tell you this, Brian. It's a club. I will not name the club but they're going to know who they are. Their, their uniforms are T-shirts. They're a vintage baseball club that are wearing white T-shirts with the name and letters across the chest. Go, Brian. <laughs> You're playing historic baseball. There's documentation. And don't, don't call it vintage baseball. Call it historic baseball. Because vintage baseball feels too much like being a Civil War reenactor. We're playing historic baseball. There's documented rules. There's sketches of the uniform. We know what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be pants. It's supposed to be knickers. It's supposed to have a shield. It's not. Do your homework. Pick an accurate team. Portray the era of that team and play the rules correctly by that era. And then we'll come and play you, and we'll do an 84 National League, and whatever the hell you've historically researched, and we'll have a great time doing it. Because everybody on that field will care about why we're there, and it's not about the W, it's about the game. It's about the people you're playing with. It's your new friends and your new family on the field. That's what I would change. Wow, this episode was a lot different than our first one, Brian. <laughs> well, you know, we're not golfing back today, so, you know. I love this so much. <laughs> I think I bring the best out of them. You think <laughs> you kind of fired up? Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, uh, we're going to let you go. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. You guys uh, are family to this show, and you will pop up on the show uh, a lot more in the future. I guarantee that. I want to thank you both for joining us. Oh, absolutely loved it. 
This is fun. It's great to get to talk to people who get it. Too bad we don't get to play more. Right? I know. Yeah. It's lit like, it's not uh, hyperbolic either. Like, literally, it's the top of our list, like, coming out to see y'all. Like, of course, we'd love to go to Gettysburg and play you, but, like, when Johnny mentioned it to me, I was like, man, we got to make this happen. So, we're working. I'm working hard. I promise. We are bigger. It's getting better. And we're already talking about 2024. Like, you know, you were talking about everybody, like, theaters off a little bit, stuff like that. The Monday after our last game, him and I will start talking about the next season. Like, that's what we do. So, you know, hey, the invite's there. 2024, we're going to figure out how to be bigger than last year. Oh, sounds great. Uh, but it's definitely an event everybody who's willing to travel should uh, should consider. Uh, uh, definitely uh, Adam Johnson, who is the captain of the Addison Mountain Stars, who plays with the Canton Corn Shuckers, but he did not make that event. He should definitely take the Addison Mountain Stars out to Rocky Point from uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, absolutely that, that is would, a, that would be played them at uh, Gettysburg last year, not the twenty three, but in twenty two. They're yeah. just fun, and that uh, Jim Wilson was with them too. Did I fight with any of those guys? No. <laughs> this was our fourth game. This is after we played Walker. Oh, oh yeah, those guys were nice. Yeah, I like the Walker guys. I had a blast with those dudes. I do too. I just wish it wasn't pouring. Yeah, seem <laughs> to have a little trouble holding on to the slick ball in the uh, in the rain. But I, I'm telling you, if it was a Hanford ball, it would have been a little more true. Just saying. Hey. <laughs> I love the plug. This is great. H A F. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us, Rudy. This is the time where you're gonna. You're going to say your goodbyes with whatever whatever catchphrase that you've come up with. Now be the new Rudy saying goodbye to everybody catchphrase on the podcast. <laughs> oh, and- yeah, brand new one. i got to come up with it. Well, friends, gentlemen, it's such a pleasure to see you guys again. I can't wait to our paths cross, like, in person. It'll be a great day. Uh, for our fine gentlemen, join us today for the Barrel Roller on the Swamp Fox. And I want to remind you that... If you're not aiming at a child when you're fair foul, why are you even fair fouling? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Rudy, stay on the line. Uh, so, uh, Rudy, uh, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things with you before we stop recording. Uh, we We made a post this week about how um, we really want to have the ability to broadcast live from some events. I have the, I have the ability to broadcast live on Podbean, which I was going to do from Rocky point, but it was going to be too much of a, I had too much going on. I was just because I was one person. A one man crew. Yeah. So, so I, I ixnade that, but we want to be able to travel around and do video of some of these bigger events that we go to together. And that's what it would have to be is these events that we're at together and, uh, and broadcast live. Okay. So here's the thing. If we do it on YouTube, we have to have a thousand subscribers before we can even do it. I know that's unrealistic for this show. I, I mean, we do have over a thousand people that listen to the show, but we have 42 subscribers to the YouTube page. So, (laughs) 
Now, that being said, we had two videos up in some interviews and, and stuff, but Rudy has uh, uh, Rudy has come off a tough summer, uh, and he is all of a sudden refreshed. I don't know how a man who got sick, uh, who had the summer he had, can all of a sudden uh, have this energy flowing through his body, but he's got the newest game three of the Flat Rock Invitational out there. So if you love vintage baseball or Belinda Carlisle, you might want to check into that one. Uh, also, he has game four done, and uh, he didn't even use me for that one. He did it. He, I had nothing to do with it. I had zero no. to do with it. Yeah, so, whatever. And uh, so that's going to be coming out soon. And then he'll start releasing Akron Cup matches that we have. Uh, what else do we have? That's it. Uh, well, look, well, we have uh, we have uh, some of the Rochester. We have the Rochester matches, the 25th anniversary celebration of Rochester Rangers baseball. But yeah, we have uh, <clears throat> the the final match. If you want to see a preview of the World Tournament Championship match between the Canton Cornshuckers and the Bear Clan Baseball Club, uh, you want to stay tuned into that uh, YouTube page uh, within the next. 10 hours that video will be up uh from their match in the championship match at the flat rock invitational oh you said the world okay you said the world's before preview it's the preview it's It's, okay i got you because you want to see how those clubs were playing in may before they met each other in august at the world tournament this is where you want to check into that youtube channel i mean we're going to have all of the interviews that we have up until tonight tonight's will be processed and put out tomorrow um, so yeah, stay, we're going to be kicking out so much content in the next week. And we're also, um, we have, uh, we're not going to do it for everybody and we're not going to do it all the time, but we have had clubs reach out to us and ask us to put up some content of theirs and Rudy, we're not going to do that all the time, but we are doing it with some, yeah. uh, cause we want everybody to be able to go to one place to kind of see some stuff, but really you need to go to their pages. Uh, search around <laughs> not that yeah. we don't not that we don't want the traffic obviously the opposite is true but uh yeah we don't we don't want to bath oh brian uh they were saying bastard bastardize the <laughs> rules and i'm like i don't want to bastardize the vintage baseball scene with our youtube page so well and i think but you're not doing it this is like i said uh, we're, we're trying to be a rising tide. We want to be able to showcase all the events that we end up at with all of these clubs and allow clubs from across the country, the globe, actually, because that's, let's be honest, to see vintage baseball. And, you know, uh, this is uh, help us out. Click that subscribe button and, and it will help a lot. Yeah, it's going to be a tough go, but we'll give it a shot. And if we don't make it, we're still going to do the audio and we're still going to do the video. Uh, it's just yeah. not going to be live, and uh, you might not see the video until Halloween. Sorry. <laughs> we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know what our yeah. lives are going to be like. So, Amen. But uh, I am going to fight very hard, uh, very hard for the vintage baseball community by getting a very good spot at the World's Tournament and very good camera angles. And Rudy and I are going to up our game uh, we're going to be much better by then at everything that we do. And oh, yeah. uh, so we're just asking, 
we don't care who subscribes. Tell your families, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. They don't have to watch anything. They just have to subscribe. It doesn't cost anything, and they never have to see <laughs> us again. It's just yeah. that important. I love it. But just know, just know that Rudy and I, we're fighting for you out there in the vintage baseball community. We want you to have the best product sent to you. Damn it, we're bringing it all to you.